today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. I am He, I am the first, I am also the last. And indeed, my hand has laid the foundation of the earth. My right hand has stretched out the heavens. And when I call to them, they stand up together. Now, let me take a quick little break here for a moment. Anybody in here ever run track, track and field? Anybody at all? Okay. Usually, outside of a tie... How many first places are there? One. How many last places are there? One. Now granted, yeah, usually just me. People wonder how God can be three people at once, or even how he can be the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Think of a man. He is someone's father, brother, co-worker, nephew, maybe even someone's husband. He's also someone's son, yet he is still one man. Pastor David reminds us that God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He has many roles in our lives, yet he is still one. We also need to consider that we don't have to understand everything in the Bible to make it true. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 22 with today's edition of The Open Word. Chapter 16, verse 15, the third blessing. The Lord says, Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And then in chapter 19, verse 9 is the fourth blessing. He said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Then the fifth one in Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. The sixth blessing is in chapter 22. We read it just a little bit earlier in verse 7. He says, Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And now in verse 14 is the seventh and final one. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Guys, it's only the righteous and the obedient who will be in his presence for all of eternity the righteous, and the obedient. You say, well, pastor, are you saying it's works that allow us to go to heaven? It's not what I said. It's the righteous and the obedient. Are you obedient to the Lord as he's called you? Have you answered that call? Do you know him in obedience? Have you come to him? 
and then knowing that your righteousness is not found in and of yourselves, but it is the righteousness of Christ that is yours. Now, at the same time, I'm not lessening the fact that you and I as believers need to live our lives in righteous obedience to the Lord. Don't lessen that at all because the Lord continues to call you and I as his children to walk in righteousness and to walk in obedience. But in the whole context of Scripture, we understand that our righteousness is not found in what we do. It is found in Christ. Our obedience comes First of all, in our receiving Christ as our Savior, understanding what his word says and the willingness and the desire in our life to follow after him. He says this holy city is made up of the redeemed of God. Look at verse 15 here in chapter 22. In verse 15 he says, Outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. Now, he isn't saying that just outside the city gates at that point in time, they're in glory, they're in eternity, that right outside that there are dogs and there's sorcerers, that there's the sexually immoral and the murderers and the idolaters and the whoever loves and practices deceits. He's not saying that they're outside trying to get in, but there's guards keeping them out. That's not the picture here. What he's saying is, is that there is a definite separation of the righteous and the unrighteous. Remember, those who would be labeled as dogs and sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers and idolaters, whoever loves and practices a lie, those are the ones whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Those are the the ones who were put in that lake of fire that we read earlier on at the end of chapter 20. So again, what he's saying is God is going to separate them and they'll be completely separated throughout all of eternity. And none of those types, none of those will be allowed inside. Why? Because they're in the lake of fire. The next statement that he makes is a very clear statement made by Jesus, and again, it calls for you and I to look at it with some close inspection. Verse 16, he says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star, and the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come, and let him who thirsts come, whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Remember at the beginning of this was the word to the churches. And as that word went out to the churches of Revelation, it's also going out to all churches of all times, even today when we look at that. Again, it's not, well, that church was for that season, that church was for this season. No. When, as we looked at those churches, we could see the church of today in every one of those in one form or fashion. And the Lord says, man, I've sent my angel to bring this message to the churches that I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. The first of all thing that I want you to look at, the very, I think the very important part of what he's saying here is that the invitation is to whom? All, all. Look at what it says. Let him who hears say come. And then he says, and let him who thirsts Come, whoever desires, let him take the water of life 
freely. It's sent out to whoever desires. Beloved, I know that the way is narrow, but the call is wide. Truly, Jesus is. He is the root. He is the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. And he makes this offer to all while it's still day, while there's still time to turn to him. And secondly, and just as important, is our understanding of the place and the person of Jesus. Again, this is what allows him to make this offer. If in verse 16 it clearly states, I, Jesus then we know who's speaking here? Jesus, okay? We need to affirm that reality, it is Jesus who is speaking here. It's not a trick. It's not deceit. I, Jesus, means that Jesus is the one that's talking. Now, back up with me, up to verse 12 and 13. And behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I believe that we can, in all honesty and fairness and the integrity of the Scripture and in context with what it says, come to a clear understanding that the one who says, I am coming quickly, up in verse 12, is the same one that says in verse 16, I, Jesus. It's definitely not an angel. It's not an angel who is the Alpha and Omega. It's not an angel that comes and brings the reward. It is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last. Particular, these are descriptive terms. And if you were with us at the beginning of this study, I shared with you what I call the Alpha Omega Trail. And it goes all through Scripture, Old Testament to New. And I think it's only right to end our study in Revelation to look at that one more time for the benefit, not only if you've heard it before, but for those of you who maybe did not hear it. The Alpha Omega Trail. Hopefully you have a pen or a pencil, because you will need it. Here in Revelation, chapter 12, verse 13, what do we read? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. In the margin right next to it, write whatever abbreviation you want to make for Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6, 4. You don't need to turn, well, yeah, you do need to turn there, sorry, because in order for this to work for you, this is the best way to do it. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Okay? The Lord our God, the Lord is one. In the margin next to Deuteronomy 6, 4, write Isaiah 41, 4, and then you can turn to Isaiah 41.4, after you write it down. What did Deuteronomy tell us about God? He is one. And by the way, it is Yahweh, Jehovah. Jehovah is one. Jehovah, our God, is one. Now in Isaiah 41, verse 4, we read, Who has performed and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, Jehovah, I, the Lord, am the first, And with the last, I am he, okay? So next to Isaiah 41, 4, write Isaiah 43, 10, and 11. In Isaiah 43, 10, and 11, we read these words. You are my witnesses, says Jehovah, says 
the Lord and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, or I am Jehovah, and besides me there is no other Savior. From that verse, right, Isaiah 44, verse 6. And in Isaiah 44, 6, we read, Thus says Jehovah, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. Do you catch what's going on there? Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, Jehovah of hosts, the Lord of hosts. And what does he say? I am the first, I am the last, besides me there is no God. You have, in essence, two that are speaking as one. And they speak as one, saying, I am the first, I am the last, besides me there is no God. Okay, next to Isaiah 44, 6, right? Isaiah 48, verses 12 and 13. He says, Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. I am he. I am the first. I am also the last. And indeed, my hand has laid the foundation of the earth. My right hand has stretched out the heavens. And when I call to them, they stand up together. Now, let me take a quick little break here for a moment. Anybody in here ever run track, track and field? Anybody at all? Okay. Usually, outside of a tie, how many first places are there? One. How many last places are there? One. Now, granted, yeah, usually just me. Yeah. Uh, outside of a tie, there's just one. If someone says, I am the first, they're saying, I am the first. If I am the beginning, I am the beginning, and I am the end. And granted, this is speaking of the eternality, but it also speaks of the placement of that. Also here in chapter 48, he brings up in verse 13, who is speaking here? Jehovah God. And we could look earlier in chapter 48, and you'd know that and understand that. Trust me on that. Jehovah God is saying, indeed, my hand has laid the foundation of the earth and my right hand has stretched out the heavens. And when I call to them, they stand up together. In the margin of Isaiah 48, verse 12 and 13, write Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 17. And then you can turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 17. In verse 15, he, and here he's speaking of Jesus, Jesus is, what, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Don't confuse the firstborn. That's a status, not a physical birth thing. But verse 16 is where I want you to see. For by him, by who? By Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, both visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him 
all things consist. But wait a minute. I thought that back in Isaiah chapter 48, that it was Jehovah who laid the foundations of the earth, that it was Jehovah whose right hand stretched out the heavens, that it was Jehovah that said that when I call, they stand up together. The answer is true. Because in Colossians, exactly as what it's saying is that Jesus and Jehovah are one. People say, well, there is no such thing as the Trinity. Then again, Jesus is totally separate from God the Father. And yet we see these kinds of things all through the Scripture, and we're not done yet. Next to Colossians chapter 1, put Revelation chapter 1, and then turn there. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. And in the context, in Revelation 1, verses 7 and 8, the context of what he's saying, we won't take time to go into it all, in verse 7, Behold, he, Jesus, is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. So we know it's Jesus, okay? He was the one who was pierced. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. Verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, you've got a whole lot of things working here. You've got not only the, He is coming, the one whom they pierced, but then all of a sudden you have this word, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. This is the same thing that Jehovah was speaking in the Old Testament. He was testifying to over and over and over in the book of Isaiah. Couldn't that be God the Father who is saying that? Well, that could be except for the fact that he says, I am the one who is, who was, and who is to come. And the very fact and reality of who Christ is, the whole purpose and plan of his coming is all right there. The Almighty. You say, well, I think that that's talking about the Father. Okay, hold that. Put it off to the side. Let's keep walking here. Next to verse 8, just go down a couple of verses down to verse 10 and 11. Verse 10 and 11. You're going to have to listen quick. Verse 10, John writes, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Whatever you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches. So John hears this voice behind him that's saying the same thing that what the person or the individual or the deity said in verse 8, I am Alpha Omega, beginning and the end. Here he says, I'm Alpha Omega, the first and the last. So who is that? Go down to verse 17. You can take time to read it all yourself later, but down to verse 17. Write 17 and 18 next to verse 10 and 11. And John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, don't be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. That's not God the Father, that is God the Son. And behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of Hades and death. Okay, next to verses 17 and 18, write Revelation 2, 8. Here Jesus is speaking. He says, To the angel of church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and who came to life. The first and the last was dead, came to life. Jesus. Next to verse 2, 8, write Revelation 21, verse 6 and 7. In verse 6, he says, And he said to me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. 
I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And catch this. I will be his God, and he shall be my son. You see the blending of these two all through Scripture. You cannot separate them. You cannot. Next to 21, 6 and 7, write Revelation 22, verse 12 and 13. And verse 12 says, And behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And then down in verse 16, it says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Guys, that's why Jesus is Jehovah to me. He is, in every sense of the word, God. Much as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is God. How do we divide that up? How do we slice that up? We don't. Because it was never intended to be sliced and diced. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all three of them God all three of them as one with certain purposes. Even when you look at how everything was laid out, Jesus says, I can't stay here, but when I leave, I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to testify of all things of me. So the Holy Spirit is here to, again, speak to us and draw us to Jesus. And what did Jesus come for? To draw us to the Father. And Jesus says, all that I do, everything that I do, I do what the Father tells me to do. Does that make him subservient to the Father, less than the Father? Does that make the Holy Spirit a lesser deity than the Son? No, it means that there is order and purpose within the Godhead. And just like there's order and purpose in all of creation. We could go on in that, in all of that. Verse 18, for I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecies of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. That's a heavy duty penalty from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies of these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I keep listening for trumpets. Every time I listen to the news, I want to hear a trumpet, maybe at the middle of it maybe even before the news starts. But I look at his word and say, why do we fear? We shouldn't fear death if you're a believer. Shouldn't fear what man could do to you. As the word says, fear God with a holy fear, with a godly fear, with the right kind of awesomeness of who he is. Not a fear that he's going to whack you with a stick if you step out of line, but a fear of knowing the greatness and the majesty of who he is and how we, as his children, ought to be living our lives. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Thanks for spending your time with us today on The Open Word. 
If you were encouraged by this time together, learning more about Jesus and want to hear more, we'd invite you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, where you can get notified of the latest message as soon as it's available, or find archive messages you may have missed. You can even find these teachings online at theopenword.com. There you can learn all about the Open Word and the ministry we're blessed to be a part of. In fact, Pastor David has a special message for you about how you too can be involved in sharing the good news through the Open Word. There really is something deeply refreshing about being a part of God's kingdom. Not only do I get to learn more about Him every time I open the Bible, but He's given me the great privilege of sharing His love with you. This radio ministry and others like it, they're a wonderful and powerful way that God is reaching people across the nation and well, across the world with the gospel. We're blessed to be a part of it. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. Would you prayerfully consider being a part of our financial support here at The Open Word? If you feel led to give, visit theopenword.com and click on the support option. That'll bring you to our secure giving page. Your gift will help us to continue to grow and spread the word of God. Thank you for bringing this matter before the Lord. Thanks, Pastor David. As our time with you draws to a close, know that we continue to pray for you and for more and more people to come to know Jesus through this ministry. Join us next time to continue studying Revelation right here on The Open Word.